0: Welcome, I'm Jessica Ward.
1: I'm Luca Lucarini and I'm Elon Levy.
0: And together we are your hosts for the Health podcast series brought to you by Denton's. These sessions will cover various topics in the health, tech, life sciences, and healthcare sectors and aims to provide you with small segments that you can listen to on the go.
1: You can find our episodes at dentons.com on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes, as well as a description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now, over to our podcast topics and speakers. In today's episode, we are sitting down with two co-founders at Twig Fertility, Dr. Rhonda Zwickerman and Zach Shapiro. They will be discussing their startup journey, key regulations of fertility, and the future of this exciting industry. Welcome to the podcast, Rhonda and Zach. So Rhonda, how about you start off by just giving us a bit of an overview on Twig Fertility generally?
2: Sure, be happy to. So Twig is a brand new fertility startup based out of Toronto, and we're building a brand new medical clinic, IVF laboratory, and pharmacy all on site at our Midtown location. And what we're what we're building at Twig is a modern tech enabled fertility space uh, and clinic, and we're pairing it with really not only best in class medicine and uh, expertise, but also an approach to patient care that really puts patients at the center of their journey and really uh, takes care of the of the whole patient as a person.
1: That's a really interesting perspective and a really interesting target to the market that may have really been missing in the fertility clinic space before you guys came about. How, how, how did the company kind of come into existence? What were kind of the challenges, kind of the case study that it, read, that it went
0: off of? Sure. So... You know, our origin story is a long one, so I'll give you kind of the abbreviation here, but it really starts with our co-founder uh, Tanner and his wife, Erin, and it stems from their personal fertility experience. And, you know, their their story deserves a podcast of its own, so, you know, I'll give you kind of the coolest notes, but you know they went through an incredibly long, emotional, and difficult journey while trying to have their second child. Uh, And ultimately they were successful and they have a wonderful and beautiful little daughter named Bryce, but Tanner came away from that experience, knowing that there had to be a better way. And, you know, prior to Twig, Tanner and I were working together. And one day he had asked me to go out for lunch with him. And at lunch, he began to tell me his story. And, you know, those times where you hear something and it it almost, you think it's not real. It doesn't, this can't possibly Uh, this can't possibly make sense, or this, this, this is, this has to be some kind of fabrication. Well, it it wasn't, you know, and what I was hearing was, you know, someone who had gone through years and years of, you know, expensive fertility treatments where there was no, there was no support, there was nobody, you know, answering the phones, where there were, you know, he had to administer medication uh to his wife, you know, from notes that he had to take, you know, that he had to write down on a little notepad. And everything that I was hearing, you know, was was saying to me that there had to be a better way, that there had to be, you know, that this was, was wrong. Patients shouldn't be spending this kind of money and, you know, be going through this kind of experience. You know, the the, the diagnosis uh, is, is hard. The clinic shouldn't make it even harder. And, and, you know, so we came away from that lunch, you know, both at a point in our careers where we were looking for something different, And fertility was something that we, you know, completely dove for, you know, headfirst into trying to learn as much as we could, you know, seeing what the the tailwinds, you know, globally look like. Uh, And, you know, through that due diligence and through that process, you know, we knew that we needed to, you know, really meet somebody within fertility to, to, move this forward. And, and thankfully, and I pinch myself almost every day, you know, that we met Rhonda so early on in, in the process because she has been, you know, absolutely incredible. And is someone that, again, I'm thankful, you know, every day that, that, you know, we get to work together uh, because she is, you know, she is the heart and soul of everything that we're doing here. And she's been an incredible partner. And, and ever since, you know, we kind of were introduced uh, you know, that, that kind of fateful day, uh, you know, things have, have you know, truly taken off um, for us.
1: And just going off of Rhonda, maybe Rhonda, can you speak about your past experience and how you kind of came into joining the company?
2: Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, I would just echo uh, Zach's sentiment that it does feel like serendipity that we met each other and, and Tanner and Zach and I have found each other and we're all in the right place and the right time to to take this leap into starting Twig. I am a fertility specialist and I was working as a fertility specialist before. And um, I myself also have my own fertility uh, story to tell again, another pod. Um, But I totally, when I heard Tanner's story, completely resonated and reflected what I had seen in my own experience and my own practice, which is that there's a lot of good fertility Physicians out there, there's good clinics, but what they're what's missing is really that that whole person care, that patient-centered experience that doesn't just take care of the medicine, but really walks alongside people throughout their entire fertility journey and provides that additional level of support and education. And, you know, pays attention to what we call the in-between moments. So not just those you know, 20 or 30 or 45 minutes when you're sitting in front of your physician, but all of those times in between that are also so important to people going through fertility care. So when I met Tanner and Zach, you know, it all clicked, it all resonated. And you know, fast forward less than six months later, we had all quit our jobs to do this full time.
1: Could you kind of go into some more detail about what exactly TWIC does and how does it and how does it really conquer these challenges that you guys have noticed in the um, in the sector of fertility?
2: Sure, uh, I'll start. And I suspect Zach will have some things to say as well. I guess on a, on a big picture level, one of the things that we've done different from the beginning is that we actually hired somebody who is the head of experience. And that is not a position that generally is exists, I would say, in a lot of Canadian healthcare spaces. And her job from the very start was to always take the patient perspective um, at every meeting, you know, around every table and to really think through what what would this experience be like to them and how can we keep them kind of in the centered in our thoughts as we're planning uh, the clinical operations. And then, you know, there's lots of examples of how exactly we're doing them. That, sorry, there's lots of examples of how we're actually doing that. Some of them, if I tell you, you would be like, isn't that just how it's done? And you would think it should be, but it's not, right? So we call that the low hanging fruit. So, excuse me. So things like answering the phone sounds not so revolutionary, but if you actually talk to people who've been through a fertility experience, one of the points of frustration is always um, not knowing who to get in touch with and then not being able to get in touch with that person. So just making sure we're very thoughtful about that you know, putting a lot of time and effort into building up our resource library. So patients don't just hear something once from their doctor and then go home and forget it and not know where to turn, right? They have it written down, they have it on their portal, they have the contact information of the person to reach out to with questions. All of those little touch points and just repeating that over, you know, a thousand points in the journey are the types of things that we're being very thoughtful about as we plan our launch.
0: Yeah, and and just to add on to that, I mean, You know, the fact is you can't, you know, build a fertility, you know, business, you know, without having empathy, you know, this to me, empathy is, you know, the, the most important quality that, you know, business, you know, that business in this space has to have, you know, if they're really to do things, you know, properly by the, you know, by the patient. And again, as Rhonda said, you know, we brought on a head of experience early on in this process the first thing that she did was speak to over, you know, 30 uh, patients who had gone through fertility to learn about their journey, to learn about, you know, maybe they each had a different treatment, but what did that path look like? How did, were they treated by the clinic? And so what we've taken from, you know, those conversations is, you know, how can we improve on that? And, you know, really, you know, what we're trying to do is to not only enhance the physical experience that the patients are going through, but also the digital experience. And so, you know, on the physical side, you know, we've we're we're building you know this beautiful un, you know amazing warm clinic that I think patients are going to feel you know relaxed in that they're going to feel you know at home and that's that's the goal with physical spaces to make them feel at home to make them feel at ease. And we're going to do everything that we can to, to, you know, to make them feel comfortable and to look after them while they're at the clinic. And, you know, from a digital side, you know, we want, you know, we want to make this process easy for them. And I think oftentimes with, you know, different healthcare businesses, you know, it's, it's just not the case. And, and so when we looked at fertility here in, in, in Ontario, we said, what can we do digitally to make this process better for patients? You know, how can we make booking simpler, easier, more efficient? How can we help reach patients, you know, in different ways through, is it you know, maybe by offering at-home services like medication delivery? Uh, what, you know, digital. You know, services that are that you know people are used to in their everyday lives. Can we incorporate into this fertility experience? And that's what we're we've set out to do.
2: The other thing I would I would say on that front is we know that a lot of the existing fertility clinics, or at least the perception is that they're mostly designed for heterosexual couples. And one of the things that we've set out to do with our physical space, but also as we plan operations and hiring our staff is to, to be building a, a clinic and a business that's as inclusive as possible. And we know there's a lot of people from the LGBT community who need help from a fertility clinic in order to build their family, but don't have infertility. And their needs are different uh, than people who come to us because they experience infertility as part of a heterosexual couple. And we really want to build a space physically, digitally, operationally, that is welcoming to them. Uh, just the same as everyone else.
1: And I feel that's really around specific infertility that was kind of missing before something as innovative as quick fertility really came around or as it comes around in the near future. Are there any other futures in the fertility space you kind of see might be an opportunity to kind of tackle?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think you know this it's it's such an interesting space that's that's constantly evolving. And I think you know, I often look at you know what's happening, you know, in the US because there's there's so much capital, you know, flowing to this, you know, this space and, and it starts, you know, largely speaking in, in the US. And whether it's different technologies for the laboratory uh, or if it's different um you know, different businesses that are, that are tackling fertility benefits Uh, you know, there's, there's so much change happening and it's, and it's going to happen rapidly over the next few years. You know, one area in Canada that I look at is, you know, uh, you know, employers covering fertility totally benefits, and I think that's an area that is completely underserved. And I think that's something that you know, over the next few years, is is going to grow, as we look at you know other countries that where that's going to be where the adoption you know by employers is is going to is going to be increasing. And and you know why you know I, I kind of take that view is if you just look at the data of you know of of just you know motherhood for you know for example let's take you know for you know let's take you know the average you know year that that someone has their first child that that has been delayed almost everywhere in north america over the last 15 years there isn't there's it's hard to find a spot where there's been an increase um you know where there's been an increase in the birth rate in those areas. So what that tells you is is a few different things. One, women are delaying you know pregnancy to focus on their careers. Also, that simply put, as as you know, much of us know, living in Toronto, the cost of having a family is you know is, is growing. Just look at how you know housing prices here in Toronto. It's very hard to to be able to you know tell yourself, you know, I'm gonna be able to go out and 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 uh, you know buy this home and, and be able to raise a family. That's getting you know you know continuously gets more difficult. And so when we look at employers covering fertility benefits. You know, we see that as you know, as demand for fertility services keeps growing. I think employers are going to have to step up to meet that demand because the government has, you know, the government Ontario has, you know, the Ontario fertility program, but that's a capped program that has not grown last five years. And it's you know, we think that employers are going to be the ones that have to step up to cover that difference.
1: Very interesting. Um, And sidestepping just a little bit um, because. As you guys have kind of discussed, kind of started as a discussion that happened at a lunch into now a company that's getting ready to launch on this innovative fertility platform. Um, specifically in terms of, I can only imagine how highly regulated areas like this are in Ontario. If you could kind of discuss the challenges that you faced in getting to this and maybe a few of the surprises that came along the way.
0: Sure so so I'll start with with challenges that any startup face and and I think you know I think every startup faces you know kind of the same you know first two challenges of, of raising capital and finding the right people. And uh, you know I think at some point if you, if you're successful, you know raising capital doesn't become uh, an issue, but finding the right people I don't think ever ever stops. And those are really the first, you know the first two challenges that you know, obviously we encountered and, and with a business like ours, where there is that regulation where you have to build the physical infrastructure to that you know like a laboratory and like a clinic space you know to to see patients, you, know, you have to you know raise a substantial amount of capital to meet uh, those requirements. And you know uh, thankfully, we were successful doing that. And we were also incredibly successful finding the right people uh, very early on, and we have an amazing team. Uh, but to add on to the challenges here with you know, a, a medical startup in Ontario, there, there are a number of them, you've got, you know, you've got to be aware of licensing requirements, whether it's, you know, from diagnostic imaging to setting up a pharmacy, you have to be aware of what, you know, the, the CPSO uh, you know, requirements are for, you know, setting up a, a, a clinic, you know, there, there's an inspection process that takes place after the clinics build and you have to be aware of what those requirements are uh, throughout the build process. Uh, which I can, you know, I can tell you, you know, building building a fertility clinic and building a medical practice has probably uh, aged me a couple of years, but nonetheless, uh, you know, it's it's something that is it's not easy, and I would say those are those are the key challenges is really understanding what those requirements are, and and then you know taking that and being able to to actually you know actually taking those those requirements and, and, uh, and building on them. One of the surprises though, you know, throughout this process was, you know, there, there were no, you know, there, there are a lot of requirements when it comes to the, the, the build out of the clinical side of this business, but there actually weren't any, you know, there's, there's no requirements on the lab side of this business, which I found very interesting as we were going through it, because to me, that's where so much, you know, there, there's so much that happens in the laboratory that is critical to the success uh, you know, of of each fertility patient that, you know, when, when we set out to do this, you know, my impression was there must be some form of, you know, regulation or standard for the laboratory. Um, to my surprise, there isn't. Uh, nonetheless, you know, we designed our lab to meet, you know, I think almost the highest standard uh that you could find for an embryology lab. Um, and I think, you know, over time we probably will see some standards introduced to laboratories uh, going forward. Um, but that was one surprise that I found while we were doing this, you know, uh, um, while we were going through this process.
2: So at Twig Fertility, really what we're all about is building families. And that means a few different things for different people, but that's central, that is our central offering, that is what we do. And so for some people that means seeking out treatment for infertility, for people who've been trying to conceive, but for others that means simply getting help in building their families because they can't do it on their own. And then there's a third category, which I would say is people building their future families. So that would be people who aren't ready to have their family now, but wanna freeze eggs for the future. And we actually see that as a really underserved part of the the market right now and just something that's kind of coming onto the scene that the other fertility clinics aren't focusing as much on. So, you know, at at Twig, we will provide care to anybody who wants to build their family or anyone who wants to freeze their eggs for the future. What I'm really excited about in terms of the future of the fertility space, and there are many, many things that I could talk about for a long time, but I guess I'll focus on two. One is genetics. So I think that you know, we've seen genetics become a bigger and bigger part of a lot of areas of medicine. And I think reproductive health is a really good example of that. And I think we're only going to see the um, kind of interconnectedness of fertility and genetics become more prominent um, over the next few years. And what I'm really excited about is setting up TWIG to be a center of excellence in terms of not just fertility care, but reproductive genetics care as well. And that's something that I'm super excited and passionate about. The other trend that I see coming, and again, this is not unique to the fertility space, but is AI. So there's a lot of really interesting AI research and products that are starting to come out that can be applied in the embryology lab specifically uh, around sperm selection, around embryo grading, you know, egg assessment, and I, I think we're going to see a lot of more of that on, over the coming years. And we've really built out our laboratory and hired the right team of people so that we're well positioned to kind of implement whichever of those AI products you know, has the most potential or has evidence, I should say, that, that backs up that it's uh, helpful for patient care.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today, Rhonda and Zach. We really enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure our listeners learned a lot about, first of all, the, the, the fertility industry generally, but also twin fertility and the strides making within that industry. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take Or refrain from taking action based on its content. Please see Dentons.com for legal notices. Our speakers from this podcast episode or any other professional in our group would be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other related topic. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes.